One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome back. I'm Carl Mack and this is Combat Chronicles. Bit of boxing bit of MMA for this episode. If you're wondering where my breakdown is on the Mirab Devarishvili versus Piotr Jan fight from this past weekend's UFC card, head on over to Patreon, www.patreon.com slash Combat Chronicles. I think a 40-minute episode. Uh, my thoughts on the fight, my thoughts on Mirab, my thoughts on the Bantamweight division, and my thoughts on Piotr Jan. And you'll hear me struggling to kind of figure out what's missing, what's wrong. Was I wrong? Were we all wrong? Um... And just trying to figure out what the fuck's going on with him and how best to move forward. So, interesting one for sure. Going to be more exclusive content on the Patreon as the month rolls on, of course. But for now, welcome to episode, what, 43? Something like that? Fuck me, it's episode 43. Where did I pull that out of? Um, first part of the episode's all devoted to Tyson Fury versus Alexander Usyk. The biggest fight of the year. I think I spoke about this on the podcast before. If last year's biggest fight was... Uh, the match, Tension versus Takari, which you know, was a big fight for kickboxing and all of combat sports, in my opinion, the best fight that could have been made. I think you guys might be thinking, well, surely it's Volkanovski versus Islam Makachev. No, it's not. This year's biggest fight is Usyk versus Fury. It's got to happen. They're talking about it all week, April 29th at Wembley. Let's just talk a little bit about the back and forth these guys have had, what uh, the promoters have been saying, what my opinions are on the fight, and in terms of it... Uh, coming to fruition anytime soon. So Fury's obviously been talking shit. It's what he likes to do. Let's hear a little bit from the Gypsy King himself, Tyson Fury, the best heavyweight in the world. Usex and all this. Tyson's being greedy. Where I'm standing, Usek, you and your team are worth 30%. You either take it or you leave it. And if you don't want it, go and fight Daniel Dubois at the Copper Box and get a few million dollars. If you want to make some real money, Come and fight the Gypsy King. But I will say, for every day from today that you linger and mess around, I'm going to deduct 1% from the 30%. So every day, I'm going to deduct 1% until you take it. And if you don't take it, fight Dubois for $2 million. Not a problem. But how in the world could Jews ever offer me a deal? Not possible. Tick-tock, tick-tock, pussies. Now it's obvious posturing from Fury. He's done this before. He tried to coax Anthony Joshua into a December fight not long after Joshua had lost to Usyk the second time ended up fighting Derek Chisora there was other there was talks of other opponents too he's not really trying to coax them into a fight he's trying to coax idiots into believing him the Usyk fight did appear to be close and there's going to be more from both parties as we go on in this segment but yeah I think that Fury's essentially talking shit people say oh, he's just trying to set a fight for me personally he's trying to avoid a fight um, I don't think he fancies Usyk's job. I don't think that was the same with Joshua. 
I think the Joshua thing was he knew he was going to have a pretty shit fight in December, hyped people up a bit, so at least people thought he tried to make something better than Derek Chisora 3. Um, there's no real sensible attempt to make the Joshua fight from, from either party, in my opinion. Definitely not Fury. Not that he's worried about AJ or anything like that. But Usyk Lee does want this fight, and uh, yeah, he responded in kind. Hey, greedy belly, I accept your offer. 70-30 split to fight with you on April 29th at Wembley. But you will promise to donate to Ukrainian immediately after the fight. On million pounds on every day of your daily, you will pay 1% from your poorest to Ukrainian people. Deal. Hey. Now, as you can tell, Usyk's reading that off a sheet or phonetically. Something that Alex Krasik's probably prepared for him. More on him in a minute. Um, but, you know, coming back and responding and accepting the 70-30 deal. Now, I don't think 70-30 is fair, but it's clear to see Tyson Fury is a bigger star. Usyk is way more well-known than I think people give him credit for. Or, or I see people going on in boxing Twitter. He's a well-known guy. He's fought in... He won the fucking Olympic gold medal. People remember him from that. He has fought on... TV numerous times. He's a big name in Europe. Um, he has fought on HBO as well. He fought Michael Hunter in America. And, of course, he's fought Anthony Joshua twice. I think people forget what a massive star Anthony Joshua was and Usyk battered him twice in front of some massive, 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 can't speak, massive crowds in the UK. Usyk's known. He's really respected. Um, outside of a few like fucking idiots I speak to here and there, we all we all come across them. Hey, boxing fan, are you? Fury fucking Barrow's too big, isn't he? He fucking don't stay very hard, does he, Musty? I mean, Joshua's fucking stiff enough, Frank Bruno, you know what I mean? Um, outside of those people, fight fans really respect Usyk in this country. And if Fury used to fight Usyk at Wembley, people would go because they want to see Fury fight Usyk. If Fury was to fight you know, Derek Chisora like he did at the O2 or whatever. Was it Wembley? Can't remember. Fucking shit. I didn't even co- didn't even cover it on this podcast. People were just going to see Fury. No one wanted to see Fury Chisora free. No one wanted to see Chisora. As fans, he does have fans, but you know, they wanted to see Tyson Fury. People want to see Tyson Fury fight Alexander Usyk. Okay, that's why he's a draw. He's not the main draw. And probably comparable in terms of how Joshua would still be able to sell a fight with Fury. Um, I think, you know, the idea that Joshua is still a massive bankable star against Fury, I think the public generally are smarter than that. Yes, there are idiots. We see them on Twitter all the time. But, you know, social media isn't always an indicator of what the consensus is. If you were to try and sell Fury Joshua next month, now people will go, well, he's just been battered fucking couple of fights ago. Why would I, you know, the last two fights, why would I want to see him fight Fury now? Let me see him against the guy that beat him twice, the guy that's clearly better than Joshua, yeah? And Usyk's a big personality. He's not like fucking Vladimir Klitschko fighting Sultan Abragamov or something, you know what I mean? He's a big personality. He's well known. Especially this week with these uh, interactions these guys are having. People are going to know him even more now. This is important. They are building the fight, whether they mean to or not. But obviously uh, Fury had some things to say in return good morning people world today is the first day of my training for the USEC fight i don't need six months i need four months and all that i got six weeks and a week rest 
done. Happy days. And I'm going to impose my will on this little sneaky... Get up, lads. Cannot wait. Real Britannia. Get up. So Fury, apparently after Usyk uh, agreed to the 70-30 split proposed by Tyson, hitting the beach for a bit of road work, probably Morecambe, where he lives, loves a bit of uh, running in Morecambe, does, uh, does Tyson Fury from what I hear. Um, but yeah, you know, he seemed up for it. I think personally, and I've seen, I've seen Fury in way worse shape in between fights. So I think, you know, he's been ticking over. Whether it's been through sick or not, he's been ticking over. But he also has some other choice words for uh, for those in the Usyk camp. Alex, Usyk's manager, you sausage. Borat wants his voice back, you fucking bum. You get what you're getting, don't worry. You're the worst manager in history. You got your fighter to accept 30%, you bum dosser. <laughs> you know that clever, are you, you bum? You got outwitted by a man who never went to school in his life. Sausage. Keep talking, your boy's going to get smashed and he's going to be beltless like the other bum, AJ. Come on! Rule Britannia, motherfucker. So, yeah, thinks that he's outwitted Alex Krasik. I imagine that they might have been anticipating 70-30. Anyway, maybe they're calling this bluff. Maybe they go, fuck it, we'll accept 70-30 because much like Fury with... Usyk, outside of bringing Wilder over here for like a fourth fight, which again, it's lost a bit of its luster, but you definitely sell it in the UK. People would love to see Wilder over here. Um, outside of that, where are these guys making their money? Usyk's going to make more money fighting Fury and his more uh, glory. He's 36 now. He probably wants the big fight. Fury, outside of, yeah, maybe chancing it with Joshua, with the name value, or another fight with Wilder. There's not really anyone else for him to fight. Usyk, as uh, Fury alluded to, there's a couple of mandatories coming up. Daniel Dubois, the WBO, is the first one. Uh, sorry, that's not WBO. I think it's WBA. Joe Joyce with the WBO. And Hagovic, Philip Hagovic for the IBF, I think they're the next one. So Usyk could just beat those three. Um, Joyce would be tough at this stage, but we know he, he's beaten them before. Um, but, you know, I think really the big fight is this one. And there's rumours, there's talk all week about, are they actually figuring this out? And Fury seems to take a little bit of a step back just this morning, uh, at time of recording, uh, 15th of March, uh, 2023. Hi guys, as fun as it's been over the last few days, terrorising Usyk and his team, tomorrow I'm going to knuckle down into training camp and I'll be doing a blackout, as I always do on social media. Uh, Nav will be running my Instagram account, keeping you all updated on my training progress and everything's going. April 29th is definitely a worker. I will see you all on the mic. Tune in. Or be there or be square. This is the biggest event in British boxing history. Uh, the fight of the century, two undefeated world heavyweight champions, throwing down to see who is the number one in the division. The undisputed world heavyweight championship on the line. Peace out. Good training to Usek. May the best man win. Get up! Lot to unpack, in there? Um, no doubt Fury will be bang on social media ASAP. His social media blackout means someone holds the phone for him when he records his uh, his ramblings, I think. But, um, yeah, a lot to unpack. You know, is Fury now realise that he's got to fight him and think, oh, can't give it too much for a large one. Better be quite respectful. Is he generally more respectful? And this was just all mouthing off to sell the fight because everyone's been talking about the back and forth. You've got to try and sell a fight in six weeks. Um or thereabouts, and you know, you really have got to fucking get your name out there. Everyone's talking about it. Everyone's asking me, Susick, 
saying, calling him a greedy belly. And you see Fury saying he's going to smash his gap fucking two face and all this stuff. And, you know, everyone's talking about it. But I don't think Fury fancies a fight from a stylistic point of view. I never have done. But, of course, I don't understand the mentality of the mentality, sorry, of the best heavyweight in the world. And for my own personal dealings with Fury, I met him once at a fight. Really nice guy. Really humble. Took time out for everyone. Uh, was able to sort of talk analytically about boxing just as much as he was sort of just have a laugh, pose for photos, that sort of thing. So I know he's a nice guy. I know for a fact that there are instances of him not being a nice guy. I know there's plenty of instances of him at talking absolute shit, whether it's the Joshua negotiations, whether it's donating his purse to the homeless, um, whether it's some of the more sort of abhorrent stuff he said about certain communities. I don't really care about all that stuff. I'm a fan of him as a fighter. Generally a fan of him as a bloke. There's a whole, whole discussion to be had about his time away from the sport, um, how sincere that was, etc. But that's what makes this quite a hard fight to gauge, uh, quite a hard negotiation to gauge as well. Um, love to know what you guys think. Obviously, hit me up on Twitter at CombatCR. As for Alex Krasik, who's a straight-talking uh, manager of Usyk, a guy that I think always comes across really well. Classic jokes on Twitter. Tyson Fury sends out the draft agreement where there is no rematch clause, no anti-doping testing, only local judges. Usyk is forbidden to use his left hand. Five minute rest between rounds, etc., etc. And then goes on his Instagram like, you're middleweight, gap teeth, rabbit. You've got the contract. You've shit yourself. If it's not signed in 25 seconds, I'll fight Jake Paul next. Fairly accurate uh, summation of the kind of shit that Fury pulls. I think he did give it some more shit the next day as well. If I had to include all the back and forth, we'd be here all day, but... Needless to say, this sort of negotiation rumbles on. Let's hope we see the fight. I do think it's the biggest fight to be made in all of combat sports. I think it's going to crown an all-time great at the heavyweight division. And I guarantee you, I don't care how long it takes, if that fight does get signed, and we're definitely hurtling towards the April 29th date, Saturday at Wembley, we're going to have as much of a huge fucking podcast as we did for the match last year. I think that podcast runs to nearly four hours. That's not out of arrogance or uh, sort of self-indulgence, that's getting so many interesting guests on that can offer perspective on this fight, opinions on this fight, because I just want to hear them. I want to talk to people about this fight. It's endlessly interesting from a technical perspective. It's the best fight we've made in all the combat sports. So let's hope we're getting closer to it, and let's not hope this is more Tyson Fury's bullshit, because Usyk's time's running out. Fury ain't getting any younger either. These guys are banging their prime. Let's see the fight. It really is fucking amazing. Who do you reckon is going to win? Again, hit me up on Twitter as always. MMA news now with another guy who's not getting any younger. Uh, Abdul Aziz Abdul Vakabob is signed with PFL and quite a turn up for the books. Didn't see anyone mentioning that uh, online. I think, um, quite frankly, like it's this happened like two years ago, three years ago maybe sort of just about pre-pandemic, everyone would be losing their fucking shit. But uh, expectations are tempered a little bit. Um, known as Lion, Abdul Vakabov is the ACA champion. Uh, won the fight, won the bout vacant because he lost to Ali Bagov. He'd already beaten before in one of the great sort of non-American promotion fights. Definitely of recent years, maybe ever. Uh, back at, um, was it ACA then or was it still ACB? Uh, but it was fucking, you know, 2018, I want to say. Uh, great fight. But, you know, Abdul Vakabov, he wins the title after uh, 
Ali Bagov can't make 155 anymore. Can't even make 170. I'm not sure. But he is no longer a force at all. He just looks like a complete fucking mess. But, you know, hasn't really fought anyone too great recently. Didn't look that great against Hakran Diaz. Was got out grappled at the time. Uh, you know, is he's been wearing a knee brace. I think his body's breaking down against, uh, uh, what's his name? Sarnovisky. Good fighter, decent fighter. But, you know, not really, you know, a fighter I thought was going to give... Abdul Vakabov, too many tests. That was a bit of a, you know, a bit of a knockdown drag out war. Certainly a, a technical. Uh, I would say that he was technically strained in that fight. Abdul Vakabov was not able to fight um, as he would usually like to. Great jab, uh, great all round game. You know, just fantastic uh, as as a pressure grappler. Just as you would expect for guys from you know Dagestan, Chechnya, those sort of regions. Just. Really fucking horrible to fight. Really fucking tough. It's got a long torso kind of thing going on and short legs. So looks a bit weird. Looks fucking scary. Looks fucking gnarly. Check him out if you haven't already. In PFL, I'm not sure what he's got left in the tank. But fuck me. I'm really, really excited that he's going to be uh, fighting over there. Don't think it's a tournament fight. Not sure. But um, just nice to see him fighting again. Hasn't fought for a little while. And nice to finally see him stateside. I think he once had a fuck Charlie Hebdo t-shirt on. Lovely guy. Great friends with Habib. So always a fight that you think, oh, I'd love to see this guy fight Habib. The kind of guy that could actually challenge him, but never would have happened anyway. But much love to see him in the UFC division of like three or four years ago. Didn't happen. He's going to PFL now. I think he's like, I think he's like 32, 33. But based on his recent fight, I think his best days are behind him. But still really intrigued to see it. One to watch out for. Going to talk about a couple of other fighters from similar regions coming up after the break. Uh, a couple of fights from Better Tours Big Event this past Friday. After this. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And we're back and we're sticking with fighters uh, who are fought outside the major American promotions in the lightweight division. And we're sticking with Tofik Basayev, who was the rising GP winner. Um, I think he was a champion, right? Um, before he lost to Satoshi via very quick submission. Uh, recently made Bellator uh, debut. And he's from Azerbaijan. And he fought Alexander Shabli, long-term hipster's favourite uh, from Russia. And quite frankly... Shabli is a fantastic talent. I like Tofik. Um, this was the fight I was most looking forward to. Didn't really pop in the end. Um, but that's mainly because of what Shabli does well. And 
He's a very defensively responsible fighter. He is able to slow fights down. He goes when you don't want to go. He will burst as you're coming in. Great counter-striker. Um, and the finishing sequence here, which was weird, which you might have seen online, like a sort of uh, snap kick, seemed to sort of land on the ribs, then went down low. Looked like it was a low blow. Turns out ribs were broken. But it's a sequence leading up to that that I really liked. Uh, Shabley sort of doubling up on the jab, looking like he's going to throw the jab again, fainting the jab, and then... Toffee goes right, I'm going to count the jab, throw the overhand right, and of course Shabley's not going to throw the jab, he's going to intercept him with that snap kick, and that's basically, he walked Toffee onto it, so off of the jab, gone in, here comes the jab again, no it's not a jab really, I'm trying to get you to overcommit, and then bang, wax him with the kick, intercepting his movement, and yeah, obviously it really made its mark, because Toffee walked it off, it was over, so weird end to the fight, Thought Shabley was much getting the better of it anyway. Um, just he, he's really good at sort of slowing fights down, knowing when to go. Uh, good counter striker, always has been. And the amazing thing is, he hadn't really lost properly for like six odd years, and that was against uh, Vartanian, uh, Edward Vartanian, who, outside of Abdul Vakabov that I just mentioned, who Vartanian has fought and arguably beat last time they 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 met. Um, is the best lightweight who hasn't fought in a major American promotion. We've got, you know, Shabley and Tofik fighting in this bout. Abdul Vakov about to come over to PFL. Numerous uh, quality fighters have been in the UFC, and Vartanian's the last one. And the fight with Shabley was, uh, from what I remember, a really close and competitive one. Well worth checking out because, you know, they're both excellent technicians. Lots of changed since then. But Shabley, not even 30 yet. I think he's 30 later this year. And, uh, you know, excellent fighter. Overall record, 23 wins, 12 knockouts, 7 submissions, 4 decisions. Only 3 losses. Only been finished once. That was like one of his very earliest fights, I think. So, yeah, if you talk about the best fighters outside of UFC, this guy is one of them. Bit of a damp squib in the end of this fight, but liked what Shabley was doing. He's building his way in the fight. It's a 5-rounder. Uh, sort of, you know, Toffee was rushing at him early, trying to land big... Uh, haymakers and whatnot. Shabley just sort of picked him off, just let him remind him that he was there. By the second round, the counters are more on point. Um, he'd sort of catch Toffee coming in or catch him coming away. Just knew when the burst, great timing. And uh, yeah, as I say, from what I can see, really looked to set Toffee up. And uh, I don't think he thought he was going to have that desired effect, but the reaction time was great. Uh, great timing on the kick. And uh, yeah, seems a bit weird, but with a couple of days and a rewatch behind me, Kind of just, you know, I'm less disappointed about how the fight played out in the end. I think it's pretty clear that, that Shabley was the better man and was getting on top of it uh, at that point. So, seemed a bit of a damp squib at the time, given, you know, kind of Scott Coker famously bungled the uh, Strike Force uh, heavyweight GP by trying to, like, set up Alice Rovering versus Fedor for a big finals clash, or was it semi finals? But uh, Fedor lost in the first round, Bigfoot over him looked. Absolute dog shit against uh, Verdum. They both did. Uh, and uh, we eventually had Josh Barnett versus DC. Uh, in this fight, I'm not sure if he knows, but a lot of hardcore fans, uh, i.e. hipsters, have been really clamouring for Shabley versus Tofik. We had it in the first round, so I was really anticipating it. Turned out, you know, it wasn't quite as... didn't really like, catch a light like I thought it was going to. But I think we did, by the end of it. I'm pretty confident in saying that we saw who the better man was. Maybe you disagree, but... Pretty confident in saying that. Not a huge amount to say about the main event because it was over quite quickly, but uh, undefeated Usman the Magomedov defeating the legend, the veteran, uh, Benson Henderson. 
Uh, Bendo got overwhelmed uh, quite quickly in this uh, and exchanged him, getting knocked over. Usman was on his back, couldn't really do uh, much uh, with him. And uh, yeah, he's famously uh, tough and durable and hard to submit, but just got overwhelmed really by a guy. I mean, Benson Henson always looked like a massive, lightweight, huge legs, and he just looked small against Usman that Mega made off. Times change, things change, and uh, you know, I'm not saying that's a reason for it. Bendo was a been a perfectly serviceable welterweight over the years as well. So I'm um, just saying what I see. And uh, yeah, I think Usman Namagamadov's really good. His brother Umar's been really good as a bantamweight in UFC. He's becoming more and more impressive. Um, Usman is is good. I'm no better to love the fact that they've got an undefeated Namagamadov as their lightweight champion. I'm sure they'll be happy to see him uh, win the GP as well. But yeah, I just need to see more of him. You know, is he fighting Shabley next, or or is he fighting McKee? I'm not sure, but this tournament, this Grand Prix, could be the making of him. It's a tournament; it's not a Grand Prix. Grand Prix should be on one night. This tournament could be the making of him, or could be the breaking of him. But like what I see, um, you know, he does what you would expect from someone who's uh, from that camp and he's been trained as he has been. So, you know, AKA, AKA as well, uh, much as uh, big cousin Habib was. And uh, yeah, really, really good stuff and not really too much to say, but to finish a, a crafty veteran like Benson so easily at, uh, his, at his age, yeah, it is impressive, but it's not much to say from a technical standpoint. You know, I love the fact that while he's on his back, he's constantly active, constantly, you know, fighting posts and whatnot and trying to knock Benson off and transitioning and, you know, going belly down and doing whatever he can to just try and wear him out. And he's literally finished him in like, what, two minutes? He's not resting. He's ground and pound. He's transitioning to subs. John McCarthy with a classic Big John. Benson's just fine as he taps. If you want to hear about you know, Linton Vassell's fight, go over to Jack Slack's podcast because he loves him. I'm not going to talk about Michael Page's fight. There's not really much to go on about. Um, but yeah, Bellator was pretty decent card all in all. As I say, some meaningful fights at the top of it. Nothing quite as meaningful as what we got coming up this weekend. I thought I was going to miss Leon Edwards versus Kamaru Usman free, but... Needless to say, I'm actually away for the Chio Vera versus Corey Sanhagen fight. So, who do I think is going to win the third bout between Usman and Edwards? And for me, there's not much to talk about from a technical standpoint because we know these guys are. We just saw them fight and we saw uh, the ebb and flow play out. Uh, we know that Kamaru Usman made a mistake and that's what led to him getting stopped, didn't push the pace. We know that Edwards drew that knockout, and brilliantly so. Absolutely incredible. Last year's, uh, or yeah, this year's uh, Combat Chronicles knockout of the year. Finish of the year, sorry. That's the category, finish of the year. But we know as well that for long stretches of that fight, Kamaru Usman was winning in all phases of the fight, bar that first round uh, surprise from Leon in the grappling exchange where Leon got a good position and a takedown, a, a trip, sorry, and, and uh, had a good position and maintained it. Um, but really we saw Usman win much of that fight and he knows what he has to do to continue. So for me, it's all a case of has a knockout that brutal at that stage of his life taken something from him athletically? If it has, then Leon may do him easier. But at the same time, Leon Edwards is not the kind of guy you can rely on to go out there and take someone out. You know, for me, it's pretty clear that that shot was a lightning in a bottle and I'm picking Kamaru Usman Pretty emphatically, actually, funnily enough. Yeah, we'll delve in more into that uh, this coming weekend, no doubt. 
head on over to Patreon again to hear my thoughts on Piotr Jan versus Mirab Devashiv. Do you know what? I can say it. I've said it a million times on that fucking podcast, and I've said it on this one as well. But it's late, and uh, I'm like an hour and a half into the content for the day. So if you want to hear even more like this, when I actually can pronounce words and hear me talk about that fight, which is really important, really pivotal, and really fucking interesting, head on over to www.patreon.com slash combat chronicles. Until then, if you want to support this podcast in another way, you can retweet it, you can tell your friends about it, but you can give it a five-star rating and review on your preferred podcast platform because that just makes it more visible uh, to others. If you don't want to do that, well, thanks for listening anyway. I do appreciate your support. Hope you enjoyed the content and see you soon. Later. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.